This is a recording of Nephi's Good Inclusio by Matthew L. Bowen, originally published in Interpreter, a Journal of Mormon Scripture, Volume 17, 2015, pages 181 through 195, read by Parker Jackson. This audio recording is copyrighted under a Creative Commons license and may be freely distributed if it remains unchanged, the journal and its website are credited, and is for non-commercial use. A printed version of this and many other articles and resources on Mormon scripture can be found at mormoninterpreter.com. Nephi's Good Inclusio by Matthew L. Bowen Abstract As John Gee noted two decades ago, Nephi is best explained as a form of the Egyptian word nefer, which by Lehi's time was pronounced nephi, nephi, or nufi. Since this word means good, goodly, fine, or fair, I subsequently posited several possible examples of word play on the name Nephi in the Book of Mormon, including Nephi's own autobiographical introduction, 1 Nephi 1.1. I, Nephi, having been born of goodly parents, having had a great knowledge of the goodness and the mysteries of God. It should be further pointed out, however, that Nephi also concludes his personal writings on the small plates using the terms good and goodness of God. This terminological bracketing constitutes a literary device used anciently called inclusio, or an envelope figure. Nephi's literary emphasis on good and goodness not only befits his personal name, but fulfills the Lord's commandment, Thou shalt engrave in many things which are good in my sight. 2 Nephi 5, verse 30, a command which also plays on the name Nephi. Nephi's autobiographical introduction and conclusion proved enormously influential on subsequent writers who modeled autobiographical and narrative biographical introductions on 1 Nephi 1, verses 1 and 2, and based on sermons, especially concluding sermons, on Nephi's good conclusion in 2 Nephi 33. An emphasis in all these sermons is that all good or goodness ultimately has its source in God and Christ. According to Nephi's own account, the Lord's commandment to make the small plates came as follows, Make other plates, and thou shalt engraven many things upon them which are good in my sight, for the profit of thy people. 2 Nephi 5.30 as John Gee first proposed, the name Nephi is best explained as a form of the Egyptian word nefer, which was later pronounced nephi, nephi, or nufi, especially during and after Lehi's time. The word nefer denotes good, goodly, fine, or fair. Since Nephi's scribal training was in the language of his father, which included or consisted of the learning of the Jews and the language of the Egyptians. Nephi conceivably heard the echo of his own name in the Lord's injunction to him regarding the making of the small plates in 2 Nephi 5.30, which he called, along with his large plates, the plates of Nephi. Royal Skousen has pointed out that the books of First and Second Nephi were both called the Book of Nephi. The literary framing of Nephi's personal writings suggests that both books of Nephi can be seen as a single good book, or, put another way, they constitute a single unified testimony of the goodness of God. The Lord's use of good in 2 Nephi 5.30 thus seems to have suggested an overarching theme for Nephi's small plates account, 
as Nephi begins and ends his writings on those plates with the threefold repetition of forms of the term good. This repetition at the opening and closing of his account constitutes a framing device sometimes called inclusio, or an envelope figure. In the short study that follows, I propose that this clustering of good terminology not only reflects Nephi's autobiographical wordplay on his own name, but also highlights two of Nephi's main themes, the importance of having a knowledge of and partaking of the goodness of God, and doing good. I will also briefly sketch the influence and impact that Nephi's thematic focus on good and goodness had on later Book of Mormon writers, particularly Amalekai, Mormon, and Moroni. Opening Frame Goodness Taught and Learned The first threefold repetition of good terms occurs in the very first verse of the Book of Mormon and in the beginning of Nephi's autobiography. I, Nephi, having been born of goodly parents. Thus I was taught somewhat in all the learning of my father, and having seen many afflictions in the course of my days, nevertheless having been highly favored of the Lord in all my days, yea, having had a great knowledge of the goodness and the mysteries of God, therefore I make a record of my proceedings in my days. The first of these good terms is Nephi's own name, as I have noted elsewhere, this suggests deliberate autobiographical wordplay on, or play on the meaning of, Nephi's name. The wordplay suggests that Nephi's name is appropriate because of the goodly quality of the parenting that he received. He was taught somewhat in all the learning of his father. While that education included at least something of the knowledge of the goodness and mysteries of God, Lehi himself had a testimony of God's goodness. We read that Nephi also had, in contrast to his brothers, a desire to gain this testimony by a confirmatory revelation for himself. See 1 Nephi 2.15. Closing Frame Persuading and Teaching to Do Good and to Partake of God's Goodness in 2 Nephi 33, Nephi returns to the kind of autobiography with which he began his record. Nephi apprehends that in order to live up to the good or goodliness that was so evident in his father's life, whose heir he was, and to live up to his own name, he must be willing to persuade to others, especially his people, the Nephites, the goodly ones or fair ones, to do good, which he does ceaselessly throughout his life. And I know that the Lord God will consecrate my prayers for the gain of my people, and the words which I have written in weakness will be made strong unto them, for it persuadeth them to do good, it maketh known unto them of their fathers, and it speaketh of Jesus, and persuadeth them to believe in him, and to endure to the end, which is life eternal. Notably, Nephi refers to the words which he has written, collectively as it, and uses a singular form of a verb rendered persuadeth. It persuadeth them to do good, a grammatical phenomenon sometimes called deflected agreement. The change of pronoun plus verb to a singular construction emphasizes Nephi's words as a single unit. Nephi's writings, his words, are subdivided into two books, although they can be viewed as a literary whole. The deflected agreement emphasizes that they are, in a sense, really one book, Nephi's good book. 
A few verses later, Nephi invokes good terminology again. And now, my beloved brethren, and also Jew, and all ye ends of the earth, hearken unto these words, and believe in Christ. And if ye believe not in these words, believe in Christ. And if ye shall believe in Christ, ye will believe in these words, for they are the words of Christ. And he hath given them unto me, and they teach all men that they should do good. Second Nephi 33, verse 10. Nephi characterizes his writings as the words of Christ that he hath given unto me, as if to leave no doubt as to their provenance. Moreover, he widens his scope from persuading his people to do good, to teaching his beloved brethren, the Lamanites, to the Jews and their descendants, and all ye ends of the earth, which would include the Gentiles. His words teach all men, all three of these groups, that they should do good, we may further note here that the word believe is repeated five times in 2 Nephi 33.10 alone. Nephi wishes his people, the Nephites, to do good and thus remain good and that they will not dwindle in unbelief as the Lamanites already dwindled. What good did Nephi want them to do? Nephi further declares that it, the body of his writings, speaketh of Jesus and persuadeth them to believe in him and endure to the end, which is life eternal. Nephi meristically alludes to the doctrine of Christ, i.e., having faith in Jesus Christ, repenting, being baptized, receiving the Holy Ghost, and enduring to the end, which evokes the promise of the Father, ye shall have eternal life. Nephi has just expounded the doctrine of Christ at length in 2 Nephi 31 and 32. Thus, the good that Nephi's good book persuadeth his people to do is identified here specifically as obedience to the doctrine of Christ. Or, put another way, hearken unto these words and believe in Christ. Finally, Nephi closes his personal writings with an invocation of the phrase, the goodness of God, that matches his use of the phrase, the goodness and mysteries of God. He declares, And you that will not partake of the goodness of God and respect the words of the Jews, and also my words, and the words which shall proceed forth out of the mouth of the Lamb of God, behold, I bid you an everlasting farewell, for these words shall condemn you at the last day. Nephi's expression, you that will not partake, means you that are not willing to partake, or you who do not want to partake recalling Lehi's statement regarding his sons Laman and Lemuel, they would not come unto me and partake of the fruit. As Jennifer C. Lane has observed, we must be careful in how we read the modal verb would in this sentence. In modern-day English, we would use would or will to express future tense, but will also means what we want. Its root is the German verb willen, Laman and Lemuel did not come because they did not want to come. These same observations can and should be applied to 2 Nephi 33.14. Those who will not partake of the goodness of God are those who do not want to partake of the goodness of God, or they are unwilling. If we do not partake of God's goodness, it is because we do not want to partake. Moreover, Nephi equates partaking of the goodness of God with respecting the words of the Jews, respecting his, Nephi's, words, and respecting the words which shall proceed forth out of the mouth of the Lamb. This constitutes Nephi's final invocation of the law of witnesses, the Israelite law governing capital cases. 
Nephi explicitly describes Judgment Day, the last day, as the legal setting when the world, including the members of the Latter-day Church of Jesus Christ, will be on trial. Nephi invokes three scriptural witnesses that will be present at that trial. The words of the Jews, the Old and New Testaments, Nephi's words, including those spoken and recorded by his descendants in the Book of Mormon, and the words which shall proceed forth out of the mouth of the Lamb of God, which would presumably include Latter-day Scripture, the Doctrine and Covenants, and the words of all true prophets, ancient and modern. Thus, the goodness of God, of which we are commanded to partake, includes the words of the Jews, the Bible, the Book of Mormon, and every word that proceedeth forth out of the mouth of the Lord. Imitating and Adapting Nephi's Good Words The influence of Nephi's writings on subsequent Book of Mormon writers can scarcely be overstated. Enos imitates Nephi's biographical introduction, including the latter's use of wordplay. Although Enos shifts the wordplay to his own name, the textual dependency of Enos's biography on Nephi's is as clear an example of textual dependency as one could wish to find in the Book of Mormon. I, Nephi, having been born of goodly parents, therefore I was taught somewhat in the learning of my father. I, Enos, knowing my father that he was a just man, for he taught me in his language. Enos's personal name is appropriate for the same reason that Nephi's is, on account of goodly or just parentage. Enos's father Jacob was a just man, as Lehi and Sariah were goodly parents. Proof of the parental righteousness the quality of being just, and the parental goodness of Lehi, Sariah, and Jacob consisted in their education of their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Moreover, Nephi and Enos could point to their own names as constituting such evidence. Nephi was good, and Enos became a man whose soul hungered after righteousness. Zenith, who, like Enos, evidences a Nephite scribal education in his autobiographical prologue, also imitated Nephi's self-introduction, including his goodly autobiographical wordplay. I, Nephi, having been born of goodly parents, therefore I was taught somewhat in the learning of my father, yea, having had a great knowledge of the goodness and the mysteries of God, therefore I make a record of my proceedings in my days. As compared to I, Zenith, having been taught in all the language of the Nephites, and having a knowledge of the land of Nephi, or the land of our father's first inheritance, and having been sent as a spy among the Lamanites, that I might spy out their forces, that our army might come upon them and destroy them. But when I saw that which was good among them, I was desirous that they should not be destroyed. Mosiah 9.1 Zenith's royal autobiographical introduction exhibits a similar wordplay on Nephi and good, in explaining why he had resisted a preemptive genocidal war against the Lamanites. If the name Zenith is a form of, or related to, the name Zenephi, as attested in Moroni 9.16, he, or of, the one of Nephi, or son or descendant of Nephi, an even richer wordplay emerges. When compared with his ancestors, Nephi's autobiography, upon which his own autobiography is stylistically and literally modified, Zenith's statement that he found that which is good among the Lamanites 
has important implications for their having been descended from goodly ancestors or born of goodly parents. The Hebrew term ab means both father, parent, and ancestor. Zenith recognized there was still much that was Lehite or Nephite in their culture. In other words, not every heritage of their goodly ancestors had been abandoned. King Benjamin also gave his sons a scribal education just as his forefathers had given their sons. And it came to pass that Benjamin had three sons, and he called their names Mosiah and Helorim and Helaman, and he caused that they should be taught in all the languages of his fathers, that they might become men of understanding, that they might know concerning the prophecies which had been spoken by the mouths of their fathers. Mosiah 1.2 Benjamin means son of the right hand. Note King Benjamin's wordplay on his own name in terms of sons and daughters of the right hand in Mosiah 5, 6-12. Mormon's description of King Benjamin's education of his sons probably draws on a first-person account written by Benjamin himself, apparently modeled on Nephi's and Enos's autobiographies. And, as John Fednes has noted, there is... Additional language evidencing the textual dependence of Mosiah 1, verses 2 through 6 on 1 Nephi 1, 1 and 2. A similar phenomenon may be detectable in the narrative biographical introductions of Alma and Abish, respectively. But there was one whose name was Alma, he also being a descendant of Nephi, and he was a young man, and he believed the words which Abinadi had spoken. Mosiah 17, 2. Alma 19.6 reads, Save it were one of the Lamanitish women whose name was Abish, or Father is a Man. She having been converted unto the Lord for many years on account of a remarkable vision of her father. Although the emphasis of the wordplay in the latter two passages, as in the case of Enos 1.1, changes to fit the name, all of these biographical and autobiographical descriptions ultimately owe a literary debt to Nephi's goodly autobiography. Acknowledging that literary debt makes these passages appreciably more beautiful and meaningful in terms of the impact that parents and ancestors have upon faith and conversion. Perhaps as impactful as Nephi's autobiographical introduction, however, was his conclusion with its emphasis on doing good and on the goodness of God. Amalekai commences his conclusion of the book of Omni and the small plates with language that is almost entirely taken from the latter part of 2 Nephi. And it came to pass that I began to be old, and having no seed, and knowing King Benjamin to be a just man before the Lord, wherefore I shall deliver up these plates unto him, exhorting all men to come unto God, the Holy One of Israel, and believe in prophesying, and in revelations, and in the ministering of angels, and in the gift of speaking with tongues, and in the gift of interpreting languages, and in all things which are good, for there is nothing which is good, save it comes from the Lord, and that which is evil cometh from the devil. And now, my beloved brethren, I would that ye should come unto Christ, who is the Holy One of Israel, and partake of his salvation, and the power of his redemption. Yea, come unto him, and offer your whole souls as an offering unto him, and continue in fasting and praying, and endure to the end, and as the Lord liveth, ye will be saved.
Omni 1, verses 25 and 26. Amalekai's emphasis on good here has its source in 2 Nephi 33, and Nephi's persuading and teaching all to do good, and the goodness of God, and the implicit notion that God is the source of all good. Moreover, the phrase partake of his salvation and the power of his redemption constitutes Amalekai's formulation of the Nephi's partaking of the goodness of God. Amalekai's use of the phrase endure to the end helps us recognize that everything that precedes it, coming unto Christ, offering the whole soul like a burnt offering, and continuing in fasting and prayer, pertains to what Nephi called the doctrine of Christ, faith in Jesus Christ, repentance, baptism by immersion for the remission of sins, receiving the Holy Ghost, and enduring to the end in faith, hope, charity, until the final pronouncement of salvation. Likewise, Mormon's sermon on faith, hope, and charity, preserved for us in Moroni 7, owes much to 2 Nephi 31 through 33, and Omni 1, verses 26 and 27. Mormon prefaces his discussion of faith, hope, and charity with a discussion of how to discern good from evil. In Moroni 7, 5 through 28 alone, Mormon uses good 26 times. Mormon develops at length the ideas of good first emphasized by Nephi in his Inclusio and elsewhere in his work, 2 Nephi 26, and mentioned by Amalekai, all things which are good, for there is nothing which is good save it comes from the Lord, and that which is evil cometh from the devil. Omni 1.25 Moroni's final exhortation wherewith he concludes the entire Book of Mormon evidences dependence on the texts of Nephi, Amalekai, and his father Mormon the latter two themselves, of course, dependent upon Nephi. In this final exhortation, Moroni involves the word good seven times. Like Nephi, Moroni is writing to a future Lamanite audience, and his first use of good in his exhortation establishes a terminological link with his ancestor Nephi and his work. Now I, Moroni, write somewhat as seemeth me good, and I write unto my brethren the Lamanites, and I would that they should know that more than 420 years have passed away since the sign was given of the coming of Christ. In a way, Moroni's exhortation is an extension of 2 Nephi 33, updating the latter in terms of what has happened to the Lamanites and Nephites since that time as a paranesis for their latter-day audience, including descendants of the Lamanites and Nephites. Moroni's second and third uses of good terminology like Nephi's use of good terminology in 2 Nephi 33, identify that which is good with the Savior Jesus Christ, who is the author of all good. And whatsoever thing is good is just and true. Wherefore, nothing that is good denieth the Christ, but acknowledgeth that he is. Moroni 10.6 Moroni's fourth use of good does the same. And I would exhort you, my beloved brethren, that ye remember that every good gift cometh of Christ. Moroni's fifth invocation of good is negative and looks forward to the great apostasy, while the sixth looks forward to the restoration. And now I speak unto all the ends of the earth, that if the day cometh that the power and gifts of God shall be done away among you, it shall be because of unbelief. And woe be unto the children of men if this be the case, for there shall be none that doeth good among you, no, not one. For if there be one among you that doeth good, 
He shall work by the power and gifts of God. Moroni 10, verses 24 and 25. The phrase, none that doeth good, is a quote or paraphrase of Psalms 14.3 or Psalms 53.3. They are all gone aside, they are altogether become filthy, there is none that doeth good, no, not one. Every one of them is gone back, they are altogether become filthy, there is none that doeth good, no, not one. This ancient temple text describes apostasy. According to the prophet Joseph Smith's 1832 account, the Lord described the great apostasy with this very text. On the other hand, Mormon's statement, if there be one among you that doeth good, may be interpreted as an allusion to or prophecy of the prophet Joseph Smith, who did work by the power and gifts of God. Finally, Moroni concludes his exhortation, and the entire Book of Mormon with a seventh instance of good that perhaps looks forward to the restoration. And again I would exhort you that you would come unto Christ and lay hold upon every good gift, and touch not the evil gift nor the unclean thing. Moroni 10.30 The phrase laying hold upon recalls the language of Lehi's and Nephi's vision of the tree of life, especially the rod of iron and Nephi's adaptation of equation of the rod of iron, with the word of God and his later adaptation of it as the word of Christ. Zion will be established in its fullness when Lamanite, Jew, and Gentile forsake evil and lay hold upon every good gift. Conclusion Nephi's framing or bracketing of the body of his writings with clusters of the term good or goodness constitutes a literary device known as inclusio. Nephi's use of this device establishes good, including doing good and the goodness of God, as arguably the key theme of his small plates record, which is particularly appropriate given that Nephi's own name is best explained as a form of the Egyptian word nefer, forms of which denote good, goodly, and goodness. Nephi thus fulfilled the Lord's commandment regarding the making of the small plates with exactness. Make other plates, and thou shalt engrave many things upon them which are good in my sight. It is clear that Nephi's successors imitated both his goodly autobiographical introduction as well as his good conclusion, but perhaps the overriding point is that the writings of Nephi taught and influenced his successors and descendants to teach that the Lord Jesus Christ is the source of all good. They exhort us to partake of his goodness. Furthermore, their writings help us to use the Spirit to discern between good and evil, as well as any writings in existence. The Book of Mormon, like all scripture, is the good gift and the word or rod on which we are to lay hold. Finally, no better endorsement of Nephi's goodly writings can be offered than that of the prophet Joseph Smith himself, who used Nephi's autobiography as the model for his 1832 autobiography. I was born in the town of Sharon in the state of Vermont, North America, on the 23rd day of December, A.D. 1805, of goodly parents who spared no pains to instruct me in the Christian religion. Many prophets like Nephi and Joseph Smith have been the beneficiaries of goodly parents who educated them and prepared them for their life's callings. Other prophets like Abraham became goodly parents through faith and faithfulness in spite of what their own fathers or parents had not been.
Matthew L. Bowen was raised in Orem, Utah, and graduated from Brigham Young University. He holds a Ph.D. in Biblical Studies from the Catholic University of America in Washington, D.C., and is currently an assistant professor in religious education at Brigham Young University, Hawaii. He and his wife, the former Suzanne Blattberg, are the parents of three children, Zachariah, Nathan, and Adele. The author would like to thank Susie Bowen, Daniel C. Peterson, Jeffrey M. Bradshaw, and Parker D. Jackson. This has been a recording of Nephi's Good Inclusio by Matthew L. Bowen, originally published in Interpreter, a Journal of Mormon Scripture, Volume 17, 2015, pages 181 through 195, read by Parker Jackson. A printed version of this and many other articles and resources on Mormon Scripture can be found at mormoninterpreter.com.